You're listening to the North Peace Roundtable Podcast, your weekly podcast about theology and the Christian life. Well, good morning, gentlemen. Morning. <laughs> you with us, Corbin? I'm, I'm with you. I, just, I thought that you were going to say more there. Nope. Welcome. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, this is episode 94 of the Roundtable Podcast. My Ooh. name's Andrew, and with me as always is Corland. Hello, hello. And Cameron. With you as sometimes. With you as sometimes is Cameron. With you as always sometimes. Back together. Yeah, look at us go. So thanks for tuning in. If you're uh, new to the podcast, like the intro said, we try and uh, talk about theology, uh, the Bible, the Christian life on this podcast, and a lot of times we answer questions that are sent in or things that one of us have thought were interesting or things like that. So we have two questions today that we want to tackle. Um, so we'll just dive in. Uh, you got the first one. Yep. So why I got, don't you word it? Oh boy. The one about honor this early in the your... morning. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the first question that we got sent in is actually a really good one. Uh, essentially the individual that asked, uh, on a base level, the question was, as adults, must we honor our father and mother? Uh, so there's a couple of places in scripture that talk about this. Ephesians 6 is one of them, uh, right at the beginning of Ephesians 6. And I'm pretty sure there's something in uh, the in Deuteronomy, is it? Yep. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, just the baseline question is, as adults, like once you're like, uh, she gave the example of like once you're 30, but like we'll even... I'll bring it back a little bit. Like in our culture, I think like 19, 20 years old is kind of where we consider people to like have gotten out of the child phase. And yes, they're a young adult, but they would be an adult. So all the way back to there, must you obey your father and mother to honor them type deal? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, sorry. It's uh, it's one of the Ten Commandments. Yes. So it's Exodus 20. Okay. Um, you were close. You were only I tried few books off <laughs> only been awake for like eight minutes <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's a good question like is there a, when the bible so i'll read the so in the ten commandments uh exodus 20 verse 12 honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the lord your god is giving you so that's in the ten commandments and then ephesians chapter 6 says yeah. children obey your parents in the lord for this is right honor your father and mother this is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land fathers do not provoke your children so on and so forth yeah and then there's a bunch of other uh places in the new testament where disobedience to parents is listed as you know <clears throat> a serious sin so paul talks about it in um i'm just looking here in romans 1 2 timothy 3 uh, talking about like here's an example of what wicked people do. Oh, they disobeyed their parents. Like, yeah, it's listed as a few times. So, it's an interesting question. Is there a time when it's like, okay, you're done now. You don't have to do that anymore. Or does honoring your mother and father look different when you're an adult versus when you're a kid? Is it like, okay, I can vote now or I can buy alcohol now, so I'm an adult or whatever mm -hmm. it is, right? Like now I can. It shifts. Yeah. And I mean, we're all adults here and we all still have relationships with our parents. Maybe we can talk about, or is it the same? Like if my, if my dad came to me today and said like, oh, you know, Andrew, I think you should do this. Do I have to be like, okay, I guess I have to, like my yeah. dad told me to do something. Like, I think I, before we go there, I think an interesting aspect of this question would be to ask if your, if your parents are not Christians and you become a follower of Christ is disobeying your parents, uh, then 
a wicked thing to do. Like if you're say a hypothetical scenario, your family's Muslim, you're a 12 year old kid and you've come to Christ, a saving faith in Christ. And you know that you should not be doing certain things that Muslims do, but you're directly disobeying your parents when you do that. Is that type of thing a sin then? No, no, because (laughs) it's like anything. It's like if, if I, as a husband, you know, tell my wife to do something that's sinful, she wouldn't go, well, I have to honor and submit to my husband, so I have to go and watch porn now because he told me to. It'd be like, no. Yeah. Your obedience to Jesus trumps your, I shouldn't say trumps, but your obedience to Jesus is more important than your obedience to a human being. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, if you're, if you were like a Muslim kid and they're like, you're not allowed to own a Bible or pray, you'd be like, no, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm going to disobey my parents because, yeah, my parents are telling me to sin against God. God. Yeah, again, so. and the spirit behind it would be like God-honoring parents because we're not shown that narrative at all in Scripture. And I think when I first read the question, I thought like, at what point do they not become your parent anymore? Because honoring does take a different shape and a different form. And yeah, honoring yeah. is not, you know, blind obedience to, yes, sin. Yeah. Um, so if you think of your relationship with your parents now, it's it's more of a honoring in the form of respect and just um mm-hmm. relationship based on well the re- the relationship even evolves to be more more friendship mm-hmm. um and uh, i think of honoring my mother and you know we all can i think remember times when we roll our eyes when mom or dad wants to do something you're like oh my <laughs> goodness and i remember even having feelings like where was all that mcdonald's money when i was a kid you want to k- take my kids there all the time right but <laughs> I still kind of surrender some of those times because I know that it makes them feel whole and enriched to have that relationship with my kids. So it's a form of honor, even if I don't agree with some of their choices or Mm -hmm. what they want to buy for my children. So I don't ever think it stops. I just think it takes a different shape. Yeah, I think like, so I think of my kids now, they're nine, seven, three, and they are, we're instructing them and teaching them to just obey us. Even if it's like, there's been a few times when it's like, I can't, I can't think of the example, but I know there's, you know, like wear a hat, wear gloves outside. Why dad? I don't want to. And it's like, just obey me and trust that I know what's best for you. Like, Mm -hmm. so there's times like that when uh, my kids will just obey because I tell them to do something. Right. But I think you're right. Like I can think of my own life when I uh, was 17, 18, you know, moved out of the house, was going to university and, you know, my my parents wouldn't call me and tell me to do things because I, I was an adult now, right? Mm-hmm. I'm off on my own. But my parents would still call and give me advice on things. But yeah. it, even their, I think their outlook was not like, you're my son, you must obey me. Yeah. It was like, hey, Andrew, have you thought about maybe doing this? And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, like, you're totally right. Yeah. And then sometimes I'd be like, you know what? I Thanks for the advice. I... I'm not going to do that or whatever. Right. And I I never once thought like, okay, my parents are telling me to do something. I have to do it because then I'm not, if I'm not obeying them, then I'm disobeying the Bible because I think you're right, Cam. There was this like shift that happened in our relationship where I could still honor them and listen to their advice. And a lot of times their advice was right. Yeah. Like, uh, and yet I didn't necessarily obey everything they told me to do. And I don't think my, Oh, that was serious. Siri was like, here's what I found. They're always listening. (laughs) Um, And my parents 
their I think their outlook on the relationship changed. They didn't have to call me and tell me like, "Hey, Andrew, change your underwear, brush your teeth," because they're yeah. like, "He's an adult now; he'll figure it out." Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, right? Yeah, yeah. I remember having that conversation uh, for sure with my mother. I, I don't know; I, she listens often. So, mom, I'm not dissing you for this conversation. This is just my perception and my like <laughs> how I viewed it walking through that part of life. But I remember I. I'm quite positive I was a 19-year-old at the time, and I was staying up late because 19-year-olds generally do. Not every single one does, but I was. Uh, and I was, uh, I can't, I think I was playing video games or something. And it was like midnight, and she came into my room, and she was like, okay, Corland, you have to go to bed. You have work tomorrow. And I remember turning around being like, Mom, I'm an adult. Like, shouldn't I be able to choose these things on my own? Like, you've raised me to know these things. I don't mind if you come and give me a reminder, but like, like as in like, uh, Hey, Corland, it is getting late. And remember, you do have work tomorrow. Have a good night type thing. I was like, I, we had a conversation about it. And I I felt at least in that moment that that relationship was needing to change from like a, uh, you know, a parent, like you said, come on, Corland, put your gloves on before you go outside. Okay, Corland, come on, do this. Like it started to shift because they had raised me to the point where I was able to start making those decisions for myself. Yeah. Um, but again, there, I think to operate that with honor, a lot of the definitions, if you look them up, has to do with like respect and dignity. Yeah. And so I think honoring in that scenario or in those kinds of scenarios is not losing it at them for being like yeah. a loving parent who wants the best for you, but rather being like, hey, like, let's consider this. Yeah. And as a command, it's not necessarily do everything your parents says. Just, yeah, respect them, hold them in great esteem, honor them for who they are because we can all appreciate things that our parents did that we wouldn't recommend or we oh, wouldn't totally. consider being best practice for parenting. Um, I joke with my wife cause her mother lives with us when, you know, my mother-in-law is doing something similar. I'm like, I see what you raise. So I'm not going <laughs> to, that's a joke to Tatiana. And, and sometimes I'll, you know, when I'm staying up late, you know, my wife will be like, you, you remember you worked yep. tomorrow? And I'll be like a little more cynical, like, what? <laughs> I, I worked? Oh, I didn't Thank you so much. <laughs> I'll be like, thanks, mom. Uh, <laughs> she hates that. So I should honor her better. But uh, yeah, it's not directly obey everything that your parents tell you. Yeah. It's actually hold them in great esteem. Respect the fact that they have been, they have some insight Consider that insight with great respect. Mm -hmm. Don't be sarcastic or cynical towards their insight. Yep, totally. Because um, yeah. it was a little different again when... Yeah, and I think too, like when you brought up the, the your example when you're 19 and you were still living at home, right? Yep, I was. Yeah, so I think there's something there actually because I can remember going back home and living at home in between years at university for the summer and my parents had just rules in their house and as an yep. adult it was just kind of like okay i i'm old enough to make my but they yep. were kind of like you're gonna come and live in my house for rent free you will obey the rules that we have even though i'm like a 19 year old i'm like sure. okay dad because yep. i remember one of them was like i grew up my parents did not drink alcohol at all uh because my mom her dad was an alcoholic and just yep. i don't blame them right yep. Yep. but as a you know 19 year old or you know, yeah, I like a beer every now and then or blah, 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 blah. And I can remember moving home yeah. and being like, okay, after work. And my parents were like, yeah, that's not, you are not allowed to have that in our house. It was like, okay, okay. yep. This mm -hmm. is your house. I get, but so, but part I, of, I obeyed them yes. because it was like an, also I was honoring them. I'm not going to go, I'm an adult. You can't tell me what to do. It was like, well, I'm living here. I should probably <laughs> yeah. just like, okay, I, adult. <laughs> I, I still think yeah. that like 
I maybe I, I don't know the words to put it into, but I think that there is something still that has changed about that relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not that you're not their son. It's not that it's not obedience to their rules in their house. Mm-hmm. But there is something about you now being an adult and consciously knowing the difference between right or wrong in that scenario, sure. and consciously knowing that that disobeying in that setting is not honoring to your mother and father, let alone if they were your mother and father, if you went to someone's house and they had this rule and you just blatantly went against those rules, that wouldn't be honoring those get or those hosts either. Yeah. So I, I think there is something slightly different, but I agree with you. Right. I mean, I can guarantee 19 year old me would have thought stuff like that was ridiculous. I'm not even that much older than that right now. But looking back, I'm like, You're yeah, like, I would do that. <laughs> like, I should do that then, right? Like, if that's yeah. a rule. Yeah. Bedtime wasn't a rule in my he- in my parents' house. Once you got to a certain age, it was kind of like you choose go to a bed bedtime. Yeah. Totally. But my parents would highly suggest that you go to bed early. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I hear what yeah. you're saying no. for sure. I think where this gets tricky it's, is when it's a really, really heartfelt thing. Um, like if your parents come to you with something that they're really like, I don't want you to date that person maybe. or Yeah. Something, oh, something like yeah. that. Cause it, it's, it's something that like as parents, I mean, Aaron and I are fresh parents. Gemma's only just over 10 months have a old yet. Not quite. Okay. <laughs> I mean, just, Oliver's well, been trying. No. Oliver has been trying. Hey Gemma, watch how fast I can run. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> Gemma but, loves me. Yeah. yeah. So I like we're fresh parents, but already there are things where like, I don't want Gemma to like when I watch her going to crawl off the bed, I'm not like, well, I guess that's your choice. You can honor me by obeying or not. She doesn't know. Right. So like yeah. it's different for me because I haven't experienced it yet. However, I've, I've seen it where parents uh, feel very strongly around various different things in life mm-hmm. and give their children guidance. And so that I think is where as adult children of parents, we, we I don't know. It, it gets tough to try and navigate those things. I so don't has, know. have any of you had maybe when you were like approaching adulthood or whatever, 18, 19, 20, where your parents like came and like strongly, you know, this or this, you should not do that. You should not. Do, and then you were like, no, I'm not going to listen to you, but you still honored them in it or mm. maybe not. But I just thought, mm. yeah, I even my mind is kind of going blank. I'm sure there were times when it was kind of like, Andrew, I really think I can think of uh, an example from somebody else. I mean, when my, my sister started dating uh, her now husband, I know, I think it was just because she was the last one in the family. You know, she'd always been single and now she's dating and everyone was really uncomfortable with it. But I remember like people were like, you know, we don't, we don't think this is good or blah, 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 blah. Right. But she was just kind of like, I'm an adult. And she was, she was like 30. <laughs> I'm an adult. And mm. I can, and then be, I remember they asked me like, what do you think about it? I'm like, she's an adult, but what yeah. if she gets hurt? Then she'll get hurt. She's yeah. an adult. Right. And yet she's still, and I mean, I should say like they're married now. They have kids. We love him obviously, mm-hmm. but it was just this new thing that like, People were like, you shouldn't do this. And as an adult, she was like, no, I'm an adult. I can figure this out. And thank you for mm-hmm. your advice. And, you know, we just moved on. So there's, there was an example where my sister was getting advice and it was like, no, I'm not going to listen to that I, advice. I <laughs> think in those moments, one thing that you can do and and probably should do, at least in my opinion, if you're wanting to honor your father and mother and that and you're in a scenario where, you know, you're 
trying to make decisions in life and your parents are actively uh, cautioning you uh, for lack of a better term, I would, I would say that, you know, your parents have lived more life than you already. <laughs> That's true. Regardless of how old you are. And so to consider what they're saying, that doesn't mean that you have to just blindly as right. an adult say, well, my mom and dad said this, but to consider it, right? They know you. Well, hopefully they know you relatively well. Maybe your parents don't. Um, and that might change how you react to the, the advice or to the suggestions. But if your parents know you well and you have a good relationship with your parents to consider what they're saying, mm. um, not, mm. not again, not making it so that it absolutely sways your decision, but consider it. Yeah. If they're giving you input, then there might be something there. Um, and another thing then is to uh, talk to other people about what's being brought up too. Because parents inherently have... Like I said, Aaron and I are new parents with Gemma, but I can tell that I already have an inherent bias towards her safety. I I don't want anything to be done to her or for her to do anything that will hurt her. Yep. Um, and so parents carry that, I think, for the rest of their lives as parents, right? And so no matter what the life scenario is, they're not going to want you to get hurt or injured. Yep. And if they do, something's desperately wrong yeah. with them. Um, <laughs> maybe something's desperately wrong. I have a funny relationship with the kids where it's like, it's more so cause they're much older where, you know, I'll give them, you shouldn't do that. It yep. could, it could go pretty south and they'll do it. And I'm like, okay, try it. Try it. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think it does change yeah. when they get older. Cause you're like, this is going to be funny because <laughs> I'm right. Okay. Try it. And you know, they're not going to die. No, but, but even, you know, Natalia's come home from school. Like this person's so mean. It was a bad day. I'm like, you know what? You're not, I know two people from elementary school as an adult. Don't worry about that. Like, and so it's kind of funny. Um, but I was thinking in my own, I don't have any like life experience with that. My, I moved out when 17, 18 and then my family moved away. But, uh, as an adult, when I, um, changed my you know theological stance from being uh, the over charismatic way that i grew up i had to like take a position yeah against my family against the, all of those older in my family we mm. have a pastor in the family mm. and i remember uh, pretty awkward just saying i don't um i don't believe the same way as you i don't actually respect your your theological stance i don't agree with your yeah. biblical worldview mm. and that was wow a point where you know and it was it was it was a hard time. I actually said like, I remember saying, the uh, either your God's not real or you're not a good enough Christian because the way that you grew, the way that I grew and you were teaching is wrong. And yeah. So that was a yeah. really weird time as a a pretty young adult. I think I was twenty five hmm. um, when I had to say that to my family, and I'm taking a different route. Yeah. And. Uh, We've not really talked about it again. It's been about mm. 12 years, but uh, eight, yeah, 13 years. We've not really talked about it again. But I remember, would that be disrespect or dishonoring? No, I don't think so, because I don't believe that. Um, I believe that it was sinful in some ways. Sure. Having that biblical yeah. worldview. Yeah, so I guess we don't have to keep yeah. beating a dead horse. But um, I think overall, what we're saying is, is that as an adult you can still honor and respect your parents without saying I have to obey everything they tell me to do. Yeah. And that's different than when you're a child growing up in your parents' home and they tell you to do things like put on your gloves because it's cold outside. I don't want to. Well, trust me, I know it's right for you, 
But even as kids, if 10, 11, 12, your parents are like, hey, you should do this sinful thing. If you're a follower of Jesus, you would go, no, my obedience to Jesus trumps my obedience to you. If you're telling me to do sinful things, I don't have to obey That's you. when you are allowed to show that you are a Christian anarchist and you follow no leader but Jesus. Wow, <laughs> a Christian. And if you're listening and you're 19 to 25 and you're still in mom and dad's house and they want you to go to bed at 10 o'clock, you got a different set of problems because... Uh, if there is an established bedtime and you're not allowed to watch Simpsons or drink carbonated drinks, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, 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 yeah, that's tough. But I mean, you might be stuck. Yeah. I'm not allowed to drink carbonated. There is no pop in this house, young man. <laughs> but mom, I'm 20. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Question answered. All right, question number two. Also one of my questions. Uh, you're right. Yeah, Corlin gets all the questions asked. I'm him. a thinker. All right. Youth leader. Yeah. He's the youth leader. <laughs> yeah. How many angels would it take to lift the rod? <laughs> <laughs> a legion. Could God make a burrito so hot that he couldn't eat it? Oh, my goodness. Okay, anyway, sorry. <laughs> Continue. Those were the kind of questions teens asked me when I was a youth pastor. We, I did get the question the other day of uh, if Adam and Eve weren't born from physical parents, did they have belly buttons? Mm, whoa. My, my answer to that, personally, I, I could see them not having them. They didn't need them afterwards. But maybe God just did a little like, boop. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. It right. could be. What's the question? <laughs> All right. The actual question <laughs> that we'll be discussing on the podcast today uh, is... Is it okay to have images of Jesus in your household, in your life type thing? Uh, so for lack of a better example, we're sitting in Andrew's office right now. And behind he us, is. he's got a picture of Jesus at the table with the disciples all on one side. So they had to get a table for 36 for one, which I don't know. 24. 24. That's what. No, you 12. never know. It's maybe 24. They, <laughs> maybe they got a table for 36 just for the extra room. Oh, yeah. Okay. Continue. Anyways, there's a picture of Jesus in his office. And so the question is, is that something that's okay? Mm -hmm. uh, in youth, we had somebody uh, come up with, not come up with, that sounds... Didn't they draw a picture of like... No, continue. Sorry. That's a different story. Yeah. Um, but somebody suggested, hey, we should go watch The Chosen as a youth group. Right. Um, and... I, I don't know. I know people, my family knows people that are a part of the Greek Orthodox tradition of Christianity where they'll have like a picture of Jesus above their doorway type thing. Right. So like, is there a line to be drawn somewhere? Is it just no, not at all? Like, how do we navigate yeah. that? Because there is something in the law about yeah. not so having images. In the, in the Ten Commandments, right? So uh, in Exodus 20, the first commandment is you shall have no other gods before me. Okay. Commandment number two is you'll sh you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that's in heaven above or that's in the earth beneath or that's in the water and the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Um, so like don't make any images. Yeah. Which is interesting because he doesn't say don't make any images of me. He just says don't make any images of anything. That if he, The reason he doesn't say that is because you'd be, you know, forfeiting your right to procreate. Or your responsibility, I should <laughs> yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, he, so when people say like, oh, God said, don't make like a, don't make a, a carved image of him. Well, he didn't actually say that. He said, don't make a carved image of anything and worship it. Yeah. So that's what I'm more getting at. But yeah. Well, the key is to worship it. 
Yeah. So and then yeah. So you have you have paintings of of Jesus, which again we should write out of the way and say like obviously no one knows to, what Jesus. If your looks grandma like. has a picture of Obi Wan Kenobi sitting on her dresser <laughs> and yeah, thinks it's right. Jesus. That but just, like, yeah, no, we, no one knows what Jesus looks like. So any kind of like painting, picture, media, TV show, it's just an artistic like, yeah, that's not actually what Jesus looked like. I know I haven't obviously, but you know, yeah, I think it's fair to say so. But is that OK? Like, is it is that what the commandments talking about? Don't make any images um, or where's the line? Right. Um, yeah, no, there's it's not. I think there's a massive difference, and I I was going to share with you guys actually a study of uh, the Torah that we're doing through a course in seminary. It's pretty good. Like the lectures hmm. are uh, quite fascinating, and on Exodus, they're obviously talking about Sinai, the whole yeah. um, carved image calf that's worshipped, and it really got into the worship, um, which was the biggest problem and the fact yep. that uh, they did make an image and in place of that but then there was even some uh, issues with you know worshiping these commandments and like their physical nature and then like putting them in the temple and it's funny because God instructed that and so like quite clear dimensions on how to create this yeah. temple and, and it was an, it went into it I'm trying to find it but I don't think I'll be able to it's hmm. 29 pages long but it talked about some challenges of folks also being like they needed in their simple minds to have this structure and they created a temple with quite specific dimensions to hold the commandments and, and of course we all know that it was quite detailed and so the difference being that you know this last supper portrait it's actually quite beneficial and helpful to be able to glance around and be like, if it just puts it back in your mind, man, could you imagine what that'd be like? Because there's nothing about that frame and picture that's being worshipped right. or it's not being in, put in place of anything. And so the cross on the stage is a is a reminder. Yeah. Um, I saw a funny meme of Jesus being like, I don't know why that's, <laughs> that was a terrible day. Um, but it's things that are helpful, I think. Um, we don't worship communion but we're but it's designed as a, a something we see yeah. feel and taste to remind us of our savior yeah i think so. for me the line is i've seen in like certain orthodox or roman catholic you know they'll have the statue of jesus on the cross and then people come up and bow down to it and kiss the feet and to me i'm like okay is there a line being crossed here like that's not this statue of jesus you are worshiping it when you come and bow down to it and kiss the feet. Like yeah. it, for me, that goes beyond just going, Oh, that's a nice, okay. Yeah. That, that reminds me of the cross and what Jesus did when I go and I bow down and I worship a statue of Jesus. I'm like, I think, I think for me that crosses the line yeah. into, and I, and I just, I was just reading the little note in my Bible about that second commandment. And I'll just read it because it's interesting. The gods of both Egypt and Canaan were often associated with some aspect of creation and worshipped uh, an object that represented them. And the Lord has made it clear that he has power over every aspect of creation because the whole earth is his. And thus he commands Israel to refrain from crafting an image of anything in heaven and earth for worship. This prohibition is grounded in the fact that the Lord is a jealous God and that the Lord has no physical form and that should not be thought to be localized in one place. Um, so it's the idea of like the other cultures, y you know, yeah, we're going to 
create this wooden idol and then we're going to worship it as our God. And I think God is saying like, no, you can't, you can't boil me down to like this little statue of a thing and worship it. But I think that's different than saying like, oh yeah, that's a great painting. I don't look at that painting and go, that's exactly what Jesus looked like. I'm going to pray to the painting. I'm like, no, it's just an interesting painting. Like, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. That there's a line that seems to be crossed when it's like, I'm now going to bow down to this painting of Jesus in as part of my worship i'm like yeah i so i think um something that should be said i've heard it explained that like the the idols that they were carving that the different nations were carving that the israelites carved it's not that they believed that they were literally bringing to life a deity what they would have believed is that like like they had like the opening of the mouth ceremony because like you know they were smart enough to know that if you breathe in and out you're alive right so they would carve these idols and then they'd have like the opening of the mouth ceremony uh which then they would believe that then the deity that they were worshiping could then come and enter that place Mm. and live there and they would then be able to like you know appease with or or, uh what's the word i can't think of it basically do business barter with that deity because they had a place to live that was among them so when it got destroyed they weren't like oh no you killed our god it's like ah now i have to build another one of those (laughs) sure right and so i i think that this goes personally i think this goes all the way back to adam and eve when god formed them and gave them the breath and they are made in his image god has already done that it's a place where god will dwell with his people right we even believe that as new testament believers we believe that christ dwells within us we are made into the temple we are images of god here on earth and so there's no need to make different images we already are fulfilling that role and so we don't worship each other but we carry along with us the holy spirit so that when Mm -hmm. other people see i mean even the new testament talks about that do good work so that people will turn and worship god i'm paraphrasing but that's in essence what it is right Mm -hmm. it's a a physical reminder and and a literal reminder of those things and so when you're speaking of images to worship i think what it is is it's the idea of regardless of which idol you're worshiping, it's the idea of a deity or filling that idol and you doing business with it because it lives there. So when you're, if you are taking images of Jesus and you are using that as like, Oh man, that image comforts me. It shouldn't because it's just an image. So here's one modern because throughout human history, you're right. We've all done that. I threw out a Bible recently. You threw out a Bible into the recycle bin oh oh <laughs> go home or like talk any christian like you'll have a ton of them like you might have one from when you're a teenager you've not opened it in 15 20 years but you'll not get rid of it it feels wrong it feels yeah. like oh this take it to mcc at least <laughs> yeah i said a recycle bin <laughs> um oh, but that might bother people today like yeah because everyone no one gets rid of bibles what do we it's kind of funny because it's God's living word, and but it's kind. We've have we made it a bit of a Last Supper painting that we're afraid to touch because it would be it would mean something wrong. Well, it's funny you say that. Like so, um, I did. A, this is years ago. I did a, like a, a vow renewal thing for this old older couple, and they had invited. A, they were well known in the community, and they invited some Muslim friends of theirs, and blah 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 blah. And I remember at some point. Oh, what did I do? At some for some reason in the ceremony, I had like had to put my Bible down. 
I, th- I can't remember. It was either like I was helping them do something or I needed both my hands. Did you put so it on I, the ground? I put it on the ground. Yeah. And afterwards, this couple, not the Muslim, like the Christian couple came up to me and be like, you should not have done that. You're putting our holy text yeah. on the ground. That's so disrespectful. And f- so for me, I'm like, okay, I, I get that culturally you're trying to like reach Muslims. And if we show that we don't respect our book, but I'm like, it's a book. Like God's not living. God's not literally in here. So like if I put my Bible on the ground, yeah, it's actually not a big deal. Right. So, but you're, but you're, we do that. We, we look at other cultures and be like, look at them worshiping that. But ev- evangelical Christians do that with the Bible. Yeah. Yep. And so, yeah, we, we, uh, we cherish the Bible that God's given it to us. And I think that in that, then our actions will show that as in you set it on the ground, you didn't just whip it across the stage. Right. Like, well, sure. But even that I meant, I meant more like, uh, we don't worship the Bible. We don't yep. go like, Oh, God is literally living in here. There's we, folks in our church that judge people who use their phones on Sunday Oh, totally. Morning. They're like, Oh man, that's not a real Bible. And it's like, okay, I get that. I, I get sure. Whatever. Sure. But, uh, yeah, there's that line where we don't we don't worship this book, obviously, but we do like cherish it and thank God that we have it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, that's an interesting because I have, you know, the Bible. Well, I use logos on my computer, so I don't carry my physical Bible. You guys are at work right now, so yeah, you'll have your Bibles oh, otherwise. Man. Yeah, like oh man, yeah. <laughs> but at home, I have you know the Bible I'll use if I'm studying. I'll have the Bible that I'll poke around with. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we do that, right? All these carving images. Yeah. <laughs> so just, I think bottom line, what we're saying is only like, worship the one true God, like the living yeah, we, God. Yeah. That's the only thing that's deserving of worship. But all of these reminders and tools to help us remember and to refocus are super helpful if done appropriately. So, yeah, I would even say then when if you're listening and it comes to stuff like the chosen or those types of other problems, that's what I was that's what I was (laughs) going to say. I think that I I think that if you are watching it and you recognize that the actor who they chose to play Jesus is not Jesus and you're not worshiping him. Well, it's funny because I can't remember who I talked to, but someone I talked to, it was like. Oh, how did they word it? But it was borderline, like, you you know he's not Jesus, right? Like, yeah. Russell Crowe isn't Noah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was like kind yeah. of like every time yeah. I watch it, I just have tears in my eyes because he's such a great Jesus. I'm like, you know he's not Jesus, yeah. right? He's a good actor. I've not like, even seen the previews or anything for that. Movie. Like, I've watched some clips and I'm like, yeah, it's well I, done. Aaron and I watched season one and there were parts that we definitely enjoyed, but there's also parts like, they they put a disclaimer at the beginning of season mm. one. Mormon like, Jesus. It's, <laughs> they they say it's not scripture. If you want, yeah. To, if you want to, you know, have a biblical experience, read your Bible. Oh, and it, he, it's an artistic rendition. No, yeah. it's, it's a terrible artistic rendition. He's too fair skinned. He's too fair skinned. Yeah, yeah, totally. Sorry, like, if if you have any depiction of Jesus and it's not a very dark person. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, it's so wrong. Anyways, um, yeah, I think you can watch a show or even like. The Jesus movie from like years ago, like the old one. Yeah. They would show that to, in different languages, in different cultures. And it was a great like stepping stone to people who are like, we don't know how to read. Well, okay, here's an artistic rendition. Now let's share the gospel afterwards. Yeah. And it was a great tool. Yeah. But it was not like, here's an actual footage of Jesus. Like, no, <laughs> yeah. this is like actors. And and to not worship it, right? Is it yeah. in like, English or is it subtitled? The Chosen is in English. 
<laughs> so <laughs> at least the passion they did it in Aramaic. I'm like, we right. go, Mel Gibson. Sure. At least you went for it. Like, <laughs> anyways, with subtitles. <laughs> right. But yeah, to not worship those. Yeah, things. I think that's the key. Like, you can enjoy. Like, we should enjoy art. We should enjoy media, because God's gifted people to be creative and and things like that. But there's a, there's a difference between like, yeah, I really enjoyed that, and then mm-hmm. like. I don't have to read my Bible. So a, a prime because, example of this yeah. is all the images of cherubim that they put in the tabernacle. Hey, don't make any carved images of anything <laughs> in heaven or on earth. Oh, by the way, also make the cherubim. <laughs> yeah. Like make the Ark of the Covenant with cherubim where yeah, I sit. And it was meant to be beautiful and in, like I think inspire like awe and wonder. Yes. But no one said like we shall worship these Well, cherubim. I shouldn't say no. Maybe some idiots did, but like. The whole idea was like, don't bow down to the cherubim. It's meant to like, yeah, point to God. It's symbolic imagery yeah, that totally. then does that. So I, yeah, artistic renditions, I don't think are wrong at all. But I, yeah, I think when we get to heaven, is. we're gonna look at Jesus face to face and go, man, we were way wrong on what we thought you looked like. Sure. <laughs> we were, we were wrong. You do have the seven eyes and the seven horns. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> symbolic. It was real. Jeez. You guys have obviously heard of Brian Dirksen. Nope. Yes. Yeah. So. He he and Tanya, they were like he's he lived in Abbotsford and he lives in Abbotsford when we were there and she had him come and do senior stuff with his dad but his church he was whenever he's in worship, their church actually uh, faces away from the worship band, so like you're not staring at the worship band the whole time because he's like that's a massive distraction that's mm. not good, so I don't I went there once and I don't remember mm. what was on the wall I don't remember if there was anything but it was kind of like circular and you just worship with people but the band was off in the corner. So his thing was like, you're not going to stare at us the whole time while you're worshiping God because most people do. So That's interesting. Yeah. And then we get upset about ripped jeans or whatever while we're trying to worship. That's right. <laughs> if you just weren't looking. Just don't close your eyes. You're worshiping God, not that person. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. So that is another example of how we naturally, I think, throughout human history, just need something to focus on while we're thinking because we're... Hardly wired well enough to, yeah. to do that yeah. well sometimes. So I think God, in His mercy and His understanding, knows that. And so, yeah, yeah, we we'll, we'll look at the cross. I'm reminded also of Remembrance Day. You know, the the poppies and the the respect and the honor given to those who, you know, people are going to the cenotaph to the statue yep. in remembrance, like a tombstone, and pinning these poppies on a wreath. You know, they're not worshiping that, but they're giving great honor and respect and remembrance in that in that way. Yeah, I, because yeah. my mother-in-law is grew up Orthodox, and so she knows of this God. She only met this God because of this Westerner's uh, incredible generosity to my wife. Hmm. So the God is real, and she knows that. We pray every night, but when she goes back to Russia, she'll light a candle and she'll go and she'll pray for her family. But it's a lot of uh, symbolic gestures. Huh. But she doesn't worship any of that in this church. But she has something deeply ingrained out of a, yeah, this kind of reminder, call it an image, but she's not worshiping that image. Because I watched the first time, when I first met her, I thought it was weird. But now, you know, 13 years later, like, no, she understands that God is living. And she only experienced it through uh, love and generosity through people Mm. in this global community. I, I think that you, I think you mentioned it, Andrew, earlier, communion being something. No, he did, but that, whatever. Yeah, communion. I think it's a prime example. It is a ritualistic behavior that we as Christians go through the motions to be reminded of what Christ did, 
But if you twist that and think that those are literally Christ and you can, you know, have forgiveness of sins through it or whatever it is, I think that's where you start crossing the line because it's yeah, it's totally. not it's not fulfilling that role. Scripture doesn't teach that it fulfills that role. But it, Jesus himself says, do this as a reminder, yeah. right? So I, I definitely think that humans need physical things to do to remind them. You see that all throughout Scripture, that there is physical well, yeah, practices. In the West, we've, we separate the physical and the spiritual. And it's a very Gnostic thing to be like spiritual good, physical bad. Mm-hmm. And Jesus never taught that. That's Gnosticism. Mm-hmm. The spiritual and the physical are very intertwined. Yeah. And so like, exactly what you're saying, like, why did Jesus give us this like physical thing to do? Why couldn't he just say, hey, when you gather, just sit for a while and remember what I did for you? We would mm-hmm. go, okay. But he said, no, do this meal. Why? Because we're physical and spiritual beings. But then you're right. Certain you know, churches or whatever just take it that extra step a little too far where it's like, yeah. no, it's meant to be this. We're not worshiping. Mm-hmm. Here's Jesus' physical body that I'm eating now and his actual blood that yeah. I'm drinking and that actually forgives me. It's like, no, you missed it. Like, mm-hmm. but I think you're right. You're onto something where as Christians in the West, I think sometimes we actually believe that everything physical yeah. is bad. Yeah. Only the spiritual is good. We have to separate it. Yeah. And it's like, no, they, they're actually very intertwined. Yeah. But then there's that caution of like, but don't go too far. Right. Mm-hmm. Where, so even like, the Catholic church with rosary beads, right? So on, on the surface, there's nothing wrong with using something to remind you to pray. But then when the priest says, Oh, to be forgiven, you must do that thing three times. Yeah. Okay. Now you've crossed the line. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But to like, say like, Hey, this little object helps me to remember to pray for someone. Great. So uh, an example, a follow through example of what you're talking about. My tattoo, if you know me, I have a tattoo on my right arm. There's all sorts of problems. All sorts. (laughs) Tattoos Um, are evil. One of the, like the reason I got it was to serve as a reminder of what Christ has saved me from. Right. So if, if you want, that's the one on your lower back, right? No, (laughs) no, don't have one there. I I specifically said, I specifically said right arm. Continue, sorry. So I got the tattoo after coming out of pornography addiction, sexual addiction, uh, and I got it as a reminder, something that, you know, every day I can look at and or just see as I'm going through my day and be like, right, God has set me free from that. I mm-hmm. ne- like I have now had freedom from that. I can choose to continue to honor him. Yep. Um, and so it's funny because I think that humans do we often twist things. And so it's not that I've lived out that hope and desire that that's what it would fulfill. And I've twisted it at times and had to be reminded, right. It's just a reminder. Right. It doesn't actually save me from anything. Right. Um, Cause yeah, it, it just doesn't. It's something God got the Israelites to do stuff like that after they cross the Jordan, not get tattoos, but like build an altar so that you'll remember yep. whenever you s- return to this place, you will remember what I have done for you. Yeah. Totally. Um, and so I don't think that there's anything wrong with physical reminders. Totally. Well, there we go. We answered both questions. Hopefully that's uh, helpful and interesting at least. Um, this has been episode 94. Thanks for tuning in. As always, um, if you do have questions or things that you want us to talk about or passages that are confusing or whatever, uh, I was going to say message us, but just message Corlin. He seems to get all the questions. 
fair. Yeah, we actually, this makes me think of something that maybe is important to bring up. We had somebody come forward and they're like, we always say, like, us guys, or Andrew specifically at the end, is like, like, comment, and subscribe. All of the platforms that we post on do not allow you to comment. And I think some of them you can't even like the podcast. Like, you can like the podcast, but... So, the secret is, if you want to contact us... Well, I've... Email. I've commented on our Apple podcast. Not before. everyone listens on Apple, though. Well, so don't say everywhere we post I'll say it. everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, you can uh, email us or text us or message us on Facebook or things like that. Yes. So, yes. That works. So, so there you go. Uh, episode 94. We will talk to you guys in a little bit. <laughs> I was going to say next week, but in a busy. We'll <laughs> it's up to you, listener, to send in the questions. This podcast only lives on. Literally, it is your weekly podcast. So there you go. So thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>